the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So it doesn't matter what race you are, what culture you are. You don't come to the church saying, well, I'm first this or that. No, uh uh-uh. There cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free men. But Christ is all and in all. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the conclusion to The Bodybuilders, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion to The Bodybuilders. It is today's Reaching Your Heart. Now, we live in the age of independence when everyone believes that they need to get their own way to express themselves. I mean, even the church is that way. You know, it's interesting. I'm under authority in the church. How many of you are aware of that? I have a conference president who's the overseer of the pastor's. And I answer to him as a spiritual overseer in the Lord. And I answer to a district superintendent who's a pastor in this area who looks at our church and will at time give counsel and pray with us and correct me as a pastor if I need it. And I appreciate that. But in the church, there are people who feel that they cannot submit to this kind of thing. How on earth can you grow and be mentored if you can't submit to spiritual authority that has been around a lot longer than you have. So in some of this democratic spirit that we talk about in our present culture, we need to let it go and recognize that in the early apostolic church, they had a mentoring culture. And people grew as they manifested gifts and they manifested a dependable, consistent temperament and character in the church. In the church, when you realize that every member of the body is just as important as you are, and it takes time to do it, then you will not think more or less of yourself. You will humbly take a role that is well suited for your giftedness and not your weaknesses or pride. And you will rejoice when others are performing their functions well and when they outshine you, you'll be happy because the whole body benefits from someone who's doing well. Paul says in verse 19, if all were a single organ, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You know, sometimes when people don't get their way in the church of Christ on earth, it's easy to think that maybe you can just break away from the body and relocate and get it there. And these dear people don't ask the question, which is a serious question, that needs asking, how can you live if you're an organ without a real connection to the body? It doesn't take long to die spiritually without the body of Christ. I've seen it. Brethren, sisters who for some reason or not break away for a week or two or three or four, then it becomes three months, four months, five months, and before long the voice of the Spirit is heard no more in them. We need the body vitally connected to it to live, 
to experience the seed of the Word of God and to have the refreshing within our lives. There are times when some people feel that they're not as important as another member of the body. In other words, an inferiority complex can come on some in the church. They see this super talented person, they think, and they has it all together. They say, what difference can I make in the church? I can't really do much. I stumble upward, up front, uh, but I stutter. I've done that, just did it, wasn't planning it. And they do stuff like that. And they say, well, I can't you know, fit that vital role. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Paul here is talking to us at Reaching Hearts. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body which we think less honorable, we invest with the greater honor. And our represented parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior part, that there may be no discord in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I mean, what an amazing, inspired statement of how it ought to work in the church of Christ. Friend, if you are a member of the body of Christ, if you were baptized into Christ in the church, you came in through profession of faith because you were baptized, and you're a member of the body of Christ, then Christ has called you to care about the members of the body and to minister to other people in the body that is part of you and Him because we are all together. And when self is set aside, when we've been told there's no limit to the usefulness of one who's setting self aside, lives for the glory of God and not their own glory. When self is set aside and ministry becomes the focus, an outward focus, not an inward focus, Then the body of Christ is cared for and the body cares for others. And guess what? The person who ministers receives caring too because it comes back to them. How connected are the members of the body to each other? Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. If one member suffers, how many suffer? All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. That was verse 26 and verse 27. If you are really a member of the body of Christ, you will hurt when other members in the church hurt. I mean, if someone's really hurting in the church, you're going to feel it. Or you're not connected by the same nerves of the Holy Spirit that you should be. You will feel it when someone else is struggling in danger or trouble or distress. I can tell you personally, if you're in trouble as a church member, and I sense it, I hurt for you. I pray for you if I'm aware of it. And I pray all day sometimes for you. I've prayed at times for weeks for peoples here who have hurt and kept on hurting and because of immaturity would not align with Christ right. It hurts the pastor. It hurts the elder. It hurts those who are here who love you. But guess what? You should hurt for others as they hurt for you. You will feel it when someone else is struggling in danger and trouble distress. It will become your concern if a deep concern overtakes a brother or sister or a sin ensnares them. It will affect you. Why? Because the members of a body are connected by nerves and pain as a sympathetic system in the body. Joys, though, are sympathetic too. When you see a person doing well, it's not a cause for jealousy, but an opportunity for joy. My wife often reminds me, and it's a good thing, and I don't always realize it at the moment. She says, listen, Mike, when I come to you just excited about something, why don't you rejoice with those who rejoice, like now? And I look at her and I think about that. No, don't think about it. Just rejoice. And I have to switch gears because I'm not wired that way. 
It's a good point. Have you ever noticed Diana? She moves around. If you're happy, she's happy with you. You're sad, she sympathizes with you. It's a good thing. Their success is shared. The joys are sympathetic as our common joy. Why? Because you're a part of the same body that is one. I like it when I see people preach better and teach better than the preacher. I don't feel bad about that. I rejoice when I see that. If I can share something I know and see a layperson develop to where they're more effective in sharing it than me, for this I rejoice. It's not about who is up front. It's about the Word of God getting out, isn't it? And when God is blessing a dear heart, we rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, there are some times when a dear brother or sister is not very good at doing something. Now, they may be indispensable because they're the only one who will do it in the church. Well, at that point, if they get up here and they're singing and they can't carry a tune and nobody else would help along, then I rejoice with those who rejoice. You with me? But if they're up here singing, preventing someone who has the spiritual gift of leading the church in worship because they just want to be up front, then I don't rejoice with that. I'm kind of praying real hard about it. Those things can happen in the church. Friend, you prosper when another member prospers as the Lord designs it. As He wants for you to prosper, you prosper in the common benefit of the church. Why? Because there's only one body. How then can a true believer in Jesus pout about some injustice and then leave the church because they didn't get the attention they thought they deserved? And so they pout or they do something and they leave the church over that. It is a fatal action, friend, to separate from the body in this way because a member cannot live without the body. Such an action requires deep and heartfelt repentance not being coddled, but repentance. When we gather to worship, all kinds of members gather with us. And if one person gets their way in everything, then there is no way the body will thrive and survive. I'll let you know the preacher does not get his way in a lot around here. I was expecting a hearty amen from you. Okay, that helps. It's true. Well, I get my way some of the times, or some of the times I need to because of certain leadership perspectives. But by and large, No. You know, this beautiful church that we have going up, do you know it's not exactly the way I would have designed the church? You run the committee. My whole plan got thrown out and the committee came back and says, we as the body think it would be better served to have everyone a little closer up and to have it wrapping around so we can have a family feel. And I submitted to the body. Are you with me? Now, the more I stand on that platform and I'm looking out at that new church, I like what the body has done. So sometimes we hang in there and we don't pout and whine if we didn't get our way, we end up realizing there's wisdom in the collective body of the church. You know, there are four generations at any one time in the body. Four generations alive at one time. If the music is only for one generation, three are deprived. Now, I'm not comfortable without all four getting what they need in church. That means the best of every generation has to come together to supply the worship needs of the church. But you know what? It's not just the church. The worship of the church was established to evangelize the world. What happens when a non-believer comes in here and it's all about us and not about the proclamation of Christ? Then it isn't working either. Evangelism is part of worship. Music, liturgy, the preaching of the Word, the activities of the church have to meet the needs of all four generations and the evangelistic mission of the Great Commission to save the lost. Not just one, or the body suffers, its members die, and there's no new people who come in. Some Christian folks suggest by their actions that it doesn't matter how we behave with fellow church members in the body, that we can pull down you know, our defenses and behave badly in the church. 
Friend, I believe that Jesus Christ was a civil follower of the Lord God, don't you? That he had civility in him. As Christians, we will be held accountable for our commitment to God by how we treat others in the body. So what we do in the body matters to God. And the person who separates from the body or manipulates the body to get what he wants, that person is harming himself in the body. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10, amazing verse. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done where? In the body. Now I think Paul is using a pun here. We all live in a physical body and we're all part of the body of Christ too. And it really doesn't matter how we behave in our physical bodies and in the body of Christ. Because we'll have to answer for it in the judgment day. Friend, holy conduct in the body of Christ is outlined by apostolic authority in the New Testament documents of our New Testament church. It mirrors the mind and heart of Christ, which is the will of God for us in the body. Colossians 3.11. Now, this is an amazing phrase. Here there cannot be Greek and Jew. The here is the church. So it doesn't matter what race you are, what culture you are. You don't come to the church saying, well, I'm first this or that. No, uh-uh. There cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free men. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, patience, forbearing one and another. If one has a complaint against another, now look at this. This is bodybuilding. If one has a complaint against another, what do you do? Forgiving each other. Huh, how do you like that? Forgiving each other, how? What's the basis of it? As the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Now, that will create closeness. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The ligaments of the church are love. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, we live in an independent culture. Where people don't like authority. Well, God's peace must rule. And that means Christ must rule in the church. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in that one body, and be thankful. So no pouting, no whining the church. Gratefulness to God for the adversities we face and the joys as well. If these attitudes are missing in you, in your place within the body of Christ, friend, then examine yourself to see if you are really in the body of Christ and obedient to Jesus who died for you. Is that a fair enough question? In the body of Christ, love is the strong ligament that binds everything together in perfect harmony and peace. We have to love each other because Christ loved us. And how do we do that? We forgive each other. And let the peace of Christ rule as master in your life when you feel like making war with the body or in the body or even with yourself. Ephesians 4.11 and verse 12. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These greater gifts are the fewer gifts. Why? To equip the army of the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Bodybuilders. When Nick Scott went to high school, he was a red-blooded American boy. He wanted to play football and impress the girls. In that desire, he was an altogether normal kind of guy. It was August 7, 1998, and he was on his way to a football practice when his left tire skidded and it hit the bank. The car blew out of its course. The tire had exploded. It swerved into the ditch. And just before it hit hard, Nick closed his eyes and he said, Lord, 
I'm in your hands now. It was a silent, quiet moment before the crash. The car rolled five and a half times and it threw him out the window. And then the car met him in the air and struck his back hard. Right where his spine was. It smacked his back. It was a painful blow to the spine for the athletic young man who prayed to God, Lord, I'm in your hands now. Nick was placed in a neck and body brace. And he was taken to a hospital. He would never be the same again. At the hospital, the doctor told him he would never walk again. He says, you will not walk again. His injury was T12 and L1. It looked bad. It was bad. There was a chance he could walk again, but he was told by the doctor he would never walk again. You know, sometimes we do a great deal of harm in the world and in the church when we tell people what they cannot do. When we do that, we become for them God when we have no right to speak the words that only God can speak to them. As Nick lay on his bed in the hospital, he wished he had died in that car accident instead of living on. He was down. He felt like his life was not worth a thing to him or anyone else. You see, who he was was so defined by his abilities, and now he'd lost them. And when he recovered enough to go to school, he was so embarrassed that he ate alone in a room. He wouldn't even fellowship in the cafeteria. He felt like they'd make fun of him. Eventually, he thought of suicide. He didn't do it, but he thought seriously about it. He began to eat more and more as his stress loaded increased and put on pounds that showed others that his body really didn't matter to him or anyone else for that matter. In his depression, he gained a lot of unwanted weight. More and more, a little over 300 pounds finally peaked on his pain program of self-pity. Finally, when his weight peaked at 300, he hit rock bottom emotionally and he began to think rather than feel. He asked himself the question, how do I change? How do I transform my life? He couldn't do any exercise from his waist down, so he decided to focus on those muscles that surrounded his heart. And with his chest muscles, he began to bench press. He was paralyzed from the waist down, but he could feel the muscles around his heart, so he began to body build that part of his body that he could feel the best near his heart. He quit whining about his loss and he began to focus on what he had and what remained with him in the body. He had half a body and he could build up the body he had even if he couldn't recover what he'd lost. And so he had an imperfect half a body. And that is the body he chose to build one painful exercise at a time. A year passed and the high school competition was scheduled for December of 1999 in the field of weightlifting. He went from 300 pounds down to 190 pounds, pumping iron while striving to strengthen the body that he had, the muscles that were closest to his heart. When the competition seemed to be over, his turn finally came to make a statement. It was not about competition for him. He pressed 375 pounds as he broke the school record by 75 pounds right there in front of everyone for the competition. From that point on, Nick set out to make a statement that he could do it in the body he had. He said it wasn't about winning. Rather, it was about making a statement that it could be done in the body that I have. From 2001 to 2002, Nick entered the professional power lifting competitions. They didn't care who you were, whether you're disabled or not. He won 39 first places two second places, and one third place over that period of time. He set multiple world records in the process of making a statement that it could be done in the body he had. Then he set his sights to earn a college degree. 
But his main goal all the time was to learn to walk again and prove the doctor wrong who said it couldn't be done. So hours of rehab and sweat and tears as he was trying to strive for a college degree, he wanted to be able to walk across the platform and receive his college degree and not be pushed in a wheelchair. So how could he do it? He didn't have the nerve function in those legs. But a little bit of it. So to walk again, to make a statement that it could be done, it drove him deep inside. The endless rounds of trial and effort and falling down and getting up again to walk and take the diploma in his hand. Utilizing the strength of his upper body near his heart, he leaned on that strength so the weaker part of his body could walk again a little. He wanted to walk and he chose to walk. And the call deep inside was to be strong and walk without his wheelchair to receive that diploma. He kept his eye on the prize. The day came and his name was called. He left his wheelchair behind. He got up. He wobbled on his two feet to receive his college diploma. As he walked on his own two feet, the man who had set world records in powerlifting was struggling to walk to receive his diploma. Without help, he did it. He turned to his mom and he motioned to her with love. The message was clear. She knew it. He later said what it meant. He said, thanks, mom, for believing in me. And then he went back to his wheelchair, exhausted, but nonetheless a conqueror who walked to seize the prize. He was not the same man who had been injured. The journey had made him someone special and different. The man who couldn't walk did walk, and the man who walked did not walk as good as some do. But he proved to himself in that most important moment that he could walk to seize the prize. And even though he proved he could walk, Nick still needed his wheelchair to get around in life. And so he set his sights as a disabled athlete to bodybuild with the body he had. Professional bodybuilding like Arnold Schwarzenegger is in was the new goal for him. If I could only be like Arnold. So he entered the competition for the disabled. And the very first competition he was in, surrounded by disabled bodybuilders, he lost. It's the first time he'd really lost in anything. In the field of weightlifting, his strength got him through. But bodybuilding was a whole new thing. The man who won so much as a weightlifter learned what it's like to not win. But he kept at it and he strove to make a difference and to somehow find his niche in that sport. He didn't shine in that area like he had in others. But he was so impressed with men who had bodies more severely damaged than him, bodybuilding and making great achievements in that sport, that he gave himself to helping them. Not long after his defeat, he opened a website called wheelchairbodybuilding.com. He pushed the limits of his sports and his personality. He became a motivational speaker. And he transformed his situation into a professional competition. And he turned that sport into something where people actually competed and they rose to legitimate heights. He even met Arnold Schwarzenegger. He showed the great one that it could be done in the body he had. He said that bodybuilding gave him an opportunity, in his words, to impact, to inspire, and to make a difference. He was recently asked that if he could go back and change the accident, would he change the past? He said, no, I would not want to change the past. He said, the day this accident happened when I prayed, Lord, I'm in your hands now. That day, God gave him a gift, not a disability. A gift to make a difference in the lives of others by bodybuilding. Dear heart, Jesus chose you with all your faults, all your weaknesses, all your hang-ups, all your failures, in love and grace, to make a difference in you 
and through you as you are part of the body of Christ for the glory of God in the body you have, both your body and the church. I'd like to end with a statement from my favorite inspirational writer who got it right. She wrote this, Enfeebled and effective as it may appear, the church is the one object upon which God bestows in a special sense His supreme regard. It is the theater of His grace in which He delights to reveal His power to transform hearts in the body He has. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. These are urgent times and God has an urgent message. God's message in Revelation is one of warning and encouragement. And it's a personal appeal to all of mankind. It is his final message before sweeping changes occur across the globe. Events that will take place just prior to Christ's second coming. You see... God doesn't want His church to be surprised by the events that will take place. He wants His church ready for His return. We have a book titled God's Last Altar Call that will encourage you and help you understand what events must take place as found in the book of Revelation. We'll send you this book for a donation of any amount and pray that you will be encouraged to know that you can discern the events that must take place prior to His second coming. Please call at any time, 24-7-888-244-HOPE. And with a donation of any amount, we'll send the book right out to you entitled God's Last Altar Call. Join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.